0: Hi, friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie Updown. So happy to be here with you today. Hey, the music in the background is from our good friend, Mr. Drew Holcomb. Make sure you grab a copy of his new album, Dragons. Today's show is brought to you by the NIV Quest Study Bible, which is the Bible I have been using since 1995. One of the best ways to learn is to ask questions as you study, and for nearly 30 years, The NIV Quest Study Bible has been answering thousands of the most asked questions about the Bible, offering insight into common, uncommon, and sometimes perplexing passages. With over 7,000 notes and 350 articles, the Quest Study Bible answers the questions you have and questions you haven't yet pondered. The best-selling NIV Quest Study Bible is now available in a refreshed, easier-to-read edition thanks to Zondervan's exclusive NIV Comfort Print designed specifically to create a smoother reading experience for the new international version of the Bible. So now through September 30th, my friends can save an additional 10% off the Quest Study Bible if you visit faithgateway.com slash soundsfun and use the promo code Annie at checkout. That's faithgateway.com slash soundsfun, and the promo code is Annie. I'm telling y'all I have loved this Bible for 20 20- years four years, so I'm, I've almost had it as long as it's been in existence. I think you guys will like it too. So again, it's faithgateway.com slash soundsfun, and use the promo code Annie for 10% off the Quest Study Bible. Today on the show is one of my dear friends who loves the Bible and knows the Bible, and y'all are in for a treat. Bianca Juarez-Ultoff is a longtime friend of mine. We have had the best time. We're going to go through some of our favorite memories together in the show, but we have just had so much fun traveling, speaking, and writing together. I just think the world of her. Her new book is called How to Have Your Life Not Suck. And we're going to go there. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with my friend, Bianca juarez Ulta Go ahead and say it. Say your sentence about you're the girl from that couldn't read in eighth grade and now what is your sentence? You say it a lot.
1: When you're preaching, um, I
0: when I because I watch you' preaching nervous. online. I'm having
1: like stage fright. I have no idea what do I say. Oh my all gosh, the time, where Annie? you
0: describe yourself? You did it just the other day, and you put the clip on Instagram where you said um, when you were describing the two different types of worldly theology or or godly theology. <gasps> oh yes, okay. On, so on, just play the video. <laughs> I can just pull that. Yep, here it is right here.
1: Yeah, no. So okay, so I, okay. Here's the thing. I broke down biblical worldview in six minutes. And I felt really proud of myself because I really struggled academically and still do. I just think I'm like a slow learner. And there's nothing wrong with slow learners, but I'm just a slow learner. And so the fact that I was able to pull that off, I literally felt like, who needs to climb Mount Everest? Yeah, I, just know, I just broke down it. Just a physical world in 6 minutes.
0: Okay, I want to read. This is something I really want wanted you to talk about. I was so glad you posted it so we could talk through it a little bit. But you said... Yesterday, you just posted about Matt and you planting the church and what it meant to you that he called you a preacher. Yeah. And one of the things you said is you said, not only did I not believe him, I theologically couldn't reconcile this.
1: Oh, are we really opening up this can right now? hundred percent. Wow. It's just
0: And then we're going to talk about dating and we're going to talk about your book and
1: Wait, hold on. Are you going to talk about dating? That's the question everyone really wants to know. Let's go there.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Start here, though. Start with this conversation of because people, a lot of times, if I will post that I was I'm teaching at a church, they will say, why didn't you say preaching? And if I say I was preaching at a church, they'll say, are you ordained? What makes you say preacher? And there's I feel like it's a word that doesn't matter all that much. But you made a point of commenting on it, too. So I wanted you to talk about it for a second.
1: I do. I feel like God works in these 10 year increments, you know? Oh, really? When when you go to onsite, you know how they make you like chart the life cycles and like like all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't until I like paused and I'm like, oh, wow, this was a benchmark. Oh, wow. This was a benchmark. Oh, wow. Wow. This was a benchmark. And so um, when I talk about not being able to read, write, or spell, I I really became cognizantly aware at the age of 10 that I was obese and illiterate and poor Mm. because prior to that, I didn't, I would, I didn't know I was poor. I didn't know it was Brown. I just thought it was like American, you know? Yeah. And, um, it wasn't until I probably, yeah, around the age of 10 that I realized, wow, I'm really struggling. And I didn't know I was dumb and poor and broke. Not and me. then um, at the age of 20, I think I kind of stepped into, wait a minute, I am smart. I, I, I mean, I can do this. And so at the eight, benchmark of 30, uh, I met Matt, in when I was 28, 29, somewhere around that. I don't know. And then um, it wasn't until we were engaged that he said, oh, well, you're a pastor. And I'm like, hold up yeah my bible boyfriend paul says i am to remain you silent You do love da, 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 paul. Da. we
0: talk about it a lot on here whenever I know, I people know, bring him I know. up i'm like y'all know bianca loves him
1: <laughs> oh i'm like obsessed i'm upset i think that's a little bit jealous like yeah. he even called me on it one time but like he has to build a bridge because he's dead <laughs> <could have> <laughs> the guy. um but but matt had said well you're a pastor and i'm like i am not a pastor don't say that da, 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 because my 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 theological background is definitely more conservative right way more conservative and when i told him i was like women are to remain silent and not lord their authority over man dah, dah, dah. and that was like yeah how's that going for you
0: uh, yeah yeah how's that <laughs> you're working annoying. Out for you? you're
1: fully annoying right now <laughs> um then he, then he made me say look, like, okay so what does a pastor do and I said well a pastor exhorts and a pastor loves the sheep and I, I, I had a list of probably like 12 things and then he's yeah. just like and what of that list do you not do oh wow and then I like paused for a second, and then I said, "Well, no, no, no. It's it's just it's just I've been told, and I grew up, and I had all these excuses, and I really, really wrestled with this. Mm-hmm. And the whole like teach and preach thing was also like totally different. And so a woman can go up and give her testimony, or unless they were on the missions field, then a woman would." sometimes be allowed to be on stage and on platform and have a Mm. microphone. And it was only for a certain amount of time. And she was not allowed to give an an invitation for salvation Mm. and where theologically that came from. I have no clue, but whatever. And so I have been on this, uh, you know, 10 year journey. I'm 38, got me 39. And I am like, I am a preacher because by definition, a preacher is someone who proclaims the gospel and a teacher is someone who explains the gospel. And say that
0: one more time. A preacher is someone who proclaims the gospel.
1: A teacher, a is, teacher someone is someone who explains, who explains the, gospel. the gospel. Okay. Like and like some people are, you know, gifted in one area or the other. But I think because of my heady theological training it, at church, like I never went to seminary. I don't have a degree in divinity. I don't speak Greek, Do you want Hebrew, to? Aramaic. Like I totally do. Yeah. I mean, we've texted back and I know, and forth I know, life. I know. We've talked and about trying to go to school And do like, you know, uh, go to seminary for like leadership. No, no, I want to go to seminary to like parse out scripture. Yeah, okay. Like same, my third week is like
0: so pumped. About I actually it. don't even care about getting a degree. I just want to sit in some classes where they teach me about the old New Testament.
1: Listen, I'm a first generation American. So I want all the degrees. Okay, I sure, want sure, all sure. the fair, after fair, my fair. Name. Yep. I'm like, nope, nope. I want the credit. Okay. <laughs> which totally reveals my pride in this maybe that's why the Lord has not opened the door because he knows I will be like a monster I'll be like well without in seminary <laughs> like it'd be so annoying. So anyways, all that to say um I've been on this really big journey and um 10 months ago my husband and I started a church the father's house OC and it's in Orange county California and um he was the one that was like, hey let's do this together and I said absolutely I will be your number one fan like you go yeah. ahead I will cheer you on and he's like no way no way. Oh, and wow. and and Matt's one of those rare breeds where he is not um, intimidated. He's not um, offended. He doesn't feel insecure with the fact that like how God has created me. So Matt is wonderful at leadership development. Matt is great at strategy. Matt is phenomenal at fundraising. Um, he is a strategist and he is, I think the best way to put this is that he is an awaker to destinies for people. And I, that sounds like so floored. Yeah, say what like, that means he pushes people to step into those places where they didn't even think that they were qualified or able. And I am living proof of that. And everyone that is on our leadership team and people at church, when they are around him, they flourish, dude. Like really? he is a greenhouse for people's destinies. And the reason why I think like he's a rare breed because he doesn't care about being famous. He doesn't want to be popular. He doesn't want to be on platform. Like he just doesn't care. Right. So he doesn't. He church, just like does the he thing. Doesn't even- it's crazy. He does and he's such a good leader and 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 when we started talking about like teaching Originally, it was going to be 50-50 and he really fought for it to be 50-50. And I was like, well, I'll do, you know, once a month. But yeah. I still was reconciling with this whole, like, I just don't know theologically how I feel about this because these two passages in scripture are pretty clear and da-da-da-da. And then I read Fashion Terrain by Chris Vallotton. Oh. And then I read- Oh girl, um, listen. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. I love that And then I read Let her Lead by Brittany Boyd. Oh, I know, I know. Okay, but then I needed something that I felt because my legalism, I'm a recovering legalist, Annie. I felt like I needed something like, way deeper. So I actually texted Christine, Christine Kane. And I said, listen, I'm stepping into this and I need to make sure that like, this is why I'm called. She recommended the book. Oh, I'm blanking on the title, but I will remember and I'll text you. But I read it and I'm like, you know what? Not only do I have what I believe is a biblical standing to do this, not only am I called and gifted to do this, not only am I anointed to do this at some point, this is how, this was literally the final straw. And I hope this is not offensive to any of your viewers, but like at one point I'm going to stand before God and he's going to ask me what I did with his son, Jesus. And I want to boldly tell God, I told every single person I could about your son, Jesus. And I was unashamed about being an evangelist, unashamed about being a preacher and unashamed about being a teacher. And if I'm wrong, punish me. But I would mm-hmm. rather err on the side of people encountering a good God and Ooh, love yeah. him than not saying anything because I have a vagina. And that's Ah. literally, I'm not even kidding. That's how I reconciled it. I was just like, oh my gosh, do I not preach and teach because I have a vagina? And then people were like, well, you should only do that to women or you can only do that to kids. Well, here's the thing. I I do that on the streets. It's not like I only preach the gospel when I'm on stage or I only evangelize when I'm preaching. Are you kidding me? My Uber driver in London last week. He's a Muslim and he was asking about my faith. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. Tell me about your faith. And then I told him about my Jesus. And the conversation that came out, I was like, and then I prayed for him before we got out of the Uber. That's not usually me because I like to just be on my phone in Uber. I don't like to talk to people. But I love this guy. I prayed for him. Did I have a microphone? No. Did I have a Bible? No. Did I have like a three point sermon? No, I just, and that's really like one day I'm going to have to come face to face with God. And that's how I've reconciled it.
0: So tell me for the friends who are listening, who totally, we have all sorts of spectrum of what people believe about lots of things <laughs> that listen. But tell me why you still have friends that are on the all the way complimentarian side who are like, no, I love you, B, but you shouldn't be on a stage on a Sunday morning.
1: Okay, so this is where I can get really real and honest. And it's hard for me because it's not just friends it's family. Mm-hmm. It's my father who I love yeah. dearly and who loves me dearly. I spoke to him this morning and we both talked church. I yeah. said, daddy, how was church for you? And he said, how was church for you? Cause he's a preacher as well. He is for, yeah. for 30 years in East Los Angeles, California. Like this man is a warrior. Um, for their 20 year anniversary, I went back in 25th. Yeah, 25th anniversary. I went back, and I wanted to. I love hosting events. Annie, you're a seven. You get it. Like we love throwing parties. Yes. Like let's just do it. And he didn't have anyone on his team. They're in inner city Los Angeles. You know, church of about 3,000 people, but no one really that's passionate about like events. And so I was like, okay, let's create a great. Ceremony and let's have a great service. It's going to be so fun. And I wanted to have like this Zhuge element that would like just demonstrate the impact of this church in East Los Angeles. Yeah. And so I had this idea like, what if we were able to um, tell people how many people have received Jesus here at this church? Mm. Well, the prayer team had saved every single slip and name of people who have said yes to Jesus. Annie, do you know that 22,000 people are lying to me? 22,000 people oh have come God. through through outreaches events in the church. So what I did is I bought 22,000 pieces of glitter and at the end of the service I'm like let's look at the impact that this small church in East Los Angeles ah. has done. And 22,000 pieces of glitter went up in the air. It was so beautiful, like oh, confetti, not glitter, confetti. Gosh. It was so fun. So like so this is the impact of my dad. Okay? It's not like he's some like po-dunk bible beater. Totally. Like he is an he's an evangelist. He loves people, he loves God, he loves his team. I don't think he knows what to do with me. Really? And um, like we have, we don't really talk about it anymore. They came to visit one time and on the screen, it was like the title of the sermon and it said, Pastor Bianca, Watis old top? Yeah. And my dad afterward, it was my mom and then my dad chimed in afterwards. My mom was like, but baby, do you really need to put pastor? You're not a pastor. Oh, wow. And I was like, mm, actually mom, I am yeah and to be honest with you Annie I didn't even know I was ordained (laughs) I I, I guess I got ordained when the church started by our ascending church and I had no clue so I was like no actually mom I I I legitimately am yeah and and she's like what you know like why would you you know split the church like why don't you just say like you know Matt's a pastor and you guys are church planters and I'm like oh my gosh are we splitting hairs it's 2019 Mm. (laughs) like
0: I'm just I can't care about around it for yourself how did you was it really Matt matt was a pusher because you i mean that's who you were raised by so that's where you would have believed all that
1: until matt oh one thousand percent wow one thousand percent in fact i went um so i never went to like a formal bible college or anything like that but in between grad uh, in between undergrad and grad school i had two semesters i took two semesters off and i said you know what i'm just going to build a solid foundation until i'm going to apply to this bible college Mm -hmm. and so i mean it was like like distance learning like it was in orange County and I go drive to orange County and I started taking these classes and I was obsessed with like a survey of the old Testament and survey of the new Testament and church Mm. history. Those are three classes I took. And after that they announced that they were, um, launching like a licensed seminary program. Yeah. And they had like, like professors like Norman Geisler and like all these great thinkers. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm applying. And so I applied for the program and, um, then keep in mind, I had a, 3.9 3.9 in undergrad and I had all A's. I was the only student in the program that had all A's, like all three A's in the three classes. Oh my God. And so imagine my shock when I got the rejection letter from the dean. And I knew the dean because he knew my dad. Yeah. Like my dad had spoken at their church. And I, I thought that there was a mistake. And so I called the registrar and they're like, hey, let me connect you with the dean and so I got a chance to speak to the dean and he was just like well you know you don't have the necessary prerequisites for this graduate program I said oh I know but that 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 ministry class that I don't have it's only open to men so like uh I mean I'm sure we can skirt around the issue now keep in mind this was 10 years ago I had no ambition of church I had no ambition of preaching or teaching I wanted to be rich I wanted to be in the art world and I wanted to live in LA like I just did this for my own personal growth and faith
0: yeah because you weren't even writing books back then because I used to have to beg you to write a book
1: no not at all I was just like oh my gosh." Blogging's fun, and like I like talking about Jesus. Like that's literally that's that's it. Right. And so he said, "Well, if you can't take that class, you can't get into the program." And I said, "I can't take that class because I'm a woman." And he said, "I don't know what to tell you. There's other <gasps> programs and other schools that would accept you." Oh my god! And after that. I said, you know what? Bump this trash. I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to go to grad. I'm going to go to secular grad school because that's where I'm celebrated. And Annie, this mm-hmm. is what's happening. We have women bleeding out of the church because they feel like they don't have a voice, that they're not valued and they can't do everything. And mm-hmm. I think some of the most healthiest churches have a celebration of women and men. Now I'm not even arguing that there should be women should be ordained. I'm not women saying that women should be elders. Like I'm saying, what would it look like for men and women to lead together? Can we celebrate that? Because here's mm-hmm. the thing. I understand the conservative side. I I understand the complementarian side. I really do. Mm -hmm. It's not a shoe that fits for me. And I have scripture to back that up, but I celebrate and love it. But my concern is that even within the complementarian churches, like women are put under rocks, women are put with bowls over them, and they're finding a sense of release out in the world. The greatest liberator was Jesus Christ. So why can't we, like, Celebrate the giftings and the call and the anointing on women's life, whether it's from admin, whether it's from uh, preaching, whether it's from event planning, whether yeah. it's from giving, whether it's from missions. Like, I think the healthiest churches really demonstrate that well. And, you know, Crosspoint does a phenomenal job of that. And for people that yeah. maybe don't know it's their first time listening or whatever, it's your church yeah. because you teach there and I see how much, like, you play. Mm-hmm. I mean, you play, you play on all levels mm-hmm. and they have a great history of empowering like strong females. And I love that.
0: Yeah. It's been really neat. And for me, this is new for me too, right? This conversation. Cause mm-hmm. I, cause I grew up just like you. Except not in LA. I'm also not Mexican, as you call yourself. Um, I am a white girl. But, uh, you know, it was actually you and Christine invited me to that event in Florida a couple of years ago. And do you remember this? I've told this story before on here, but Chris sat at me and Jenny Allen at a table with a bunch of women and, and said, Annie, how many female pastors do you know? And I was like, oh, I don't know any. And she was like, raise your hand if you're a female pastor at this table. And it was everyone except me and Jenny. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, I need to learn and to listen and to think and and study for myself and read for myself. And, and I, I also think one of the things I'm learning, and you can kind of talk about this. This is kind of what you're saying about Matt, but I'm experiencing this with Chris and Drew and Pastor Kevin, the three pastors that I'm on the teaching team with is that women really thrive the most and flourish the most partnered with men who are encouraging that. 1,000%. Yeah, because that's what I... have I mean, I feel confident every time I walk on the stage at Crosspoint because the three men who are on this team with me are saying to our people, Annie's voice matters here. And every Sunday morning that I do anywhere, I go like, hey, the pastor invited me here, and he knows I'm a woman. There's no like... (laughs) There's not like a surprise when I get there, and the name Annie Downs isn't a dude. you know, and so it's so to me, it's a conversation for men and women about like, okay, women, where where do you flourish? You can do anything, but where do you flourish? And men, mm-hmm. where do you see the women in your life capable of flourishing that if you spoke on their behalf once, you would open a door, you don't realize how big it
1: is. Yep, one thousand percent. I cannot yes and amen you anymore,
0: okay. Well, I just think it's great. I mean, I think you're such a good person to watch. I mean, I think all my friends that follow me probably follow you, too, because we share a bunch of people. But but I just love watching as you progress in this and as you like preach on a
1: regular basis at
0: the Father's house.
1: Not just a regular basis, but I am primary communicator for the church. Are you? You do more than 50-50. Yeah. So Matt and I were 50-50 the first three months. And then we had some um, staffing changes and Matt had to just absorb so much more yeah. of um, the admin side of things. And he said, there's no way that I could put together these messages and run the church. I just don't have the capacity for it. And, and in addition to that, and, and this is to his admission, not mine. Um, it, what he has said is you do this all the time. It's, it's easier for me. It's a flow for me. Yeah. It's not a flow for Matt. Yeah. He's gifted in it and he's good. And he said, be, let's be real. Like if I did this, like, nah, I'd give myself a, a seven. And he's just, he's just like, when you do this, you're anointed to do this. Now I think that there's a new grace on his life because even in the last 10 months, he teaches at the very, very, very least once a month. Yeah. And I've seen such a growth. I mean, this man is coming alive and I love it. And I think that's just reps. The more you do it, the more comfortable, the easier it is. And so anyway, all that to say, yeah, I've transitioned into primary communicator. And you're so really I'm. Good I, teach- I mean, I've
0: been, you and I have been traveling and speaking together for seven years, eight years. And you have always been good, but man, it, it's the reps. The more reps you do, the better you get at anything. Yeah. Yes, so for, sure. I just, for sure. I just want to celebrate how good you are. Hey, one of the things I love about How to Have Your Life Not Suck, your book that released this week that I love, is it's almost real time of like, this is us creating the father's house.
1: Oh, totally. I totally. love
0: that. So for anyone who's ever like, I have a little idea, I wonder if I'll ever do anything with it. This is one of the traces, uh, paths that your book traces is the birth of the father's house. Right. Okay. So tell right. me why in the world you decided to plant a church in L.A.
1: Well, um, or well Orange County. I, Sorry. I, yes. I was about I know, to say. I fixed it. I know. I'm from L.A. I'm the worst, and hate. When people say, oh, this is L.A., I'm like, yo, this is Orange County. Okay, right, L.A., in L.A., graffiti is art, and in Orange County, graffiti is a problem we need to solve. Okay, like it's right. totally <laughs> different, right? So, <laughs> hey, don't get it twisted. That's right. Um, okay, so – um, the book kind of chronicles again in these 10, 10 year increments, like I, this was, this came out of a place of like me wishing that someone would have told me this at the age of 25 and 10 years later, Hey, these are all the amazing learning lessons that I found. Now uh, it, it's not necessarily a book on church planting, but what it does is that it shows in the process of what God has done through, um, a couple instances with church planting, or even just meeting girls from church, whether it's my old church or at my dad's church or even this church, I think the power in story is not only is it an amazing like tool to communicate that Jesus used but i think that sometimes we find ourselves in the lives of other characters or real life people. And so yeah, it's real time because there's uh, i think like two stories in the book about like god coming through in miraculous ways for the church plant and one of them was financially. Yeah. And i feel like i just want to speak faith and hope into the lives of women who just feel like they're they're stuck or their life absolutely sucks. Because every time there's a massive transition, we we have to mourn a season. And we don't talk about mourning, especially in a culture where everything's just like, oh, we'll just slap an Instagram filter on it. Or oh we the highlights or the fun things. Or I've lost 20 pounds. No one's posting online like, oh my God, I just had Mm -hmm. a horrible binge weekend and gained five Mm -hmm, pounds. mm -hmm. Like, but that's the weight and the truth of it you know? And so what does it look like to have healthy conversations? And I, I, you know, all strategic book plans should be like, you should take one felt need and discuss that one need. And I totally think that that's absolutely true. But I realize But this is <laughs> like, the playbook. Like I take all the things that I've learned in the last 10 years underpinned with the story of Ruth and Naomi and the lessons that I've learned from watching them. And I'm like, if we tackle friendship. We talk about tackle community. We talk about faith. We talk about death. We talk about dating. And it does. Fe- and, and that might feel overwhelming to people. But here's the thing. I want this to be a playbook for people like, hey, yeah. when I need to terminate a friendship, where do I go? Oh, I remember this chapter in Bianca's yep. book. Yeah. My friend just had a close one pass away because Ruth and Naomi experienced death. Hey, how can I support them in this? I wrote a whole chapter on that. Mm. And I had my friend, um, she's a, a, a psychotherapist and a licensed therapist and a clinical therapist um, from Moody Bible college out in Chicago, who was able to contribute to sections in the book where in areas that I felt like out, they're out of depth for me. So like yeah. there's a chapter on um, anxiety and depression, um, self-harm. I, tell a story of a girl that I encountered that was self-harm and and attempted suicide. And I just love that we have a licensed therapist that's able to weigh in on tough topics like grief or depression or dating, you know? So I think that's been super fun.
0: Yeah. I love the handbookness feel of this, of like, Okay, How to Have Your Life Not Suck. Give it to everyone who's graduating in high school, everyone who's graduating college, everyone who's moving from here to there. Like, I love that part of it. But I also love, I mean, I've already read it. So this is, I'm speaking from as a person who has read the book. I also love that it just is you, be I mean, it just sounds just like mm. you. So your editor must not have done much work or whatever work they did get to do. You must have turned in a very perfect um, manuscript <laughs> because it just sounds so much, it's like
1: talking to you. Thank you, Annie. I feel like this book, I really fought for my voice to be heard on this book., yeah. The last book, Play with Fire. I love it. I love it. my first baby. but um, what most people don't know is that I lost seventy five percent of the manuscript two days before it was due. Yeah, this is and tell
0: that story because that is, I remember it.
1: it was so I was working, yeah, I was working for a global anti-human trafficking organization full time called A21. And it was a full on job. So I was working 55 hours a week there. Uh, I'm also a stepmom and um, and we have 60% custody of the kids. I'm also a wife and I was writing. So I was waking up at 4.30 4.30 in the morning, being at Starbucks by 5, writing from 5 to 7, heading to work to be at work by 8, getting off of work at 5, coming home, being with the kid, making dinner, and then going back to Starbucks to write from like 9.30 after the kids went down to 11. That was that season. So to lose the book a day before Thanksgiving, I, I can't even tell you. Like my, my whole laptop just went it went black. And I lost the document and it was totally my bad because I didn't have autosave. Just bless my heart on so many levels. Yeah. So I literally scrambled and they gave me an extension of six weeks. It was due January 3rd. I'll never forget. And I like had no holidays. I had no life and I had no sleep, but I got the book out. And um, yeah, I was about
0: to say you worked harder than I've, than I, like, I don't know how you pulled that off. I remember when it was I happening, know. I was like, I don't know how you do this.
1: I don't know either. And like, I thought I was just like, at that point, I was just like, you know what? It's okay. I will just push back the deadline and all this other stuff. But it was my husband that was just like, you've got this. In fact, our marriage will not survive if you keep writing this because this is just, it's taking everything out of you. Like, no, we're going to do this. And so he ran point. He helped with the kids. He did, he did actually in that season, like straight up, he did everything. He took the kids to school. He picked them up. He made dinner because I was like, I have to finish this book. So he's a gem. I love him. Yeah. And um, it, it was such a traumatic experience. E- even after the book came out, like the marketing of it, I didn't have. A, I didn't have. A, I didn't have a, a marketing coordinator. I didn't have anything. Like it was. All, it was. It was a mess, Annie. That's and then so it made Washington Post number That's one right, bestseller, and nobody knew.
0: Right. <laughs> nobody knew. <laughs> Like there wasn't even a marketing person to tell you that you, yeah, I know. Girl, people don't know. A poop (laughs) score. People don't know how authors can suffer behind the scenes like that.
1: Oh yeah. So this book, I feel like, I feel like I'm operating on full cylinders. Like yes, we launched a church, and yes, we now have two teenagers, and yes, life is crazy, and yes, I'm still traveling. But this is on my time, and I have bathed this bad boy in prayer. Uh-huh. I'm like God. I don't even care if people don't like the writing. What I want people to experience when they open up the book is I want them to experience the presence of a good God. Yeah. That like yes, Boaz is great, but we have a glorious Redeemer named Jesus, and I want people to meet Jesus in this yeah, book. That's right. Through the stories of other people, through the Stories of Ruth and Naomi through th- my personal story, like I want them to find themselves and get to know a man named Jesus.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation with Bianca to tell you about our sponsor and uh, our friends over at Brewmate. So I was on a call a couple of weeks ago with Dylan, the founder of Brewmate, and I loved hearing about his story of creating this product. I think that's one of my favorite things about the things we get to tell y'all about is someone saw a problem and solved it. And the problem Dylan saw was that people were leaving drinks around and they were getting warm and not finishing them. And I do the same, you guys, especially with LaCroix. I yesterday when I was cleaning up, I found three half drunk cans of LaCroix, and it's so wasteful and terrible, and it's because it just got too warm too fast, you guys. But that is the joy of BrewMate. BrewMate's stylish insulated drinkware is designed to keep your favorite beverages ice cold all day long. Whatever your taste is in beer, wine, spirits, LaCroix, or soda, BrewMate makes sure every sip is the perfect temperature. So not only do they keep your drinks cool, they also have really beautiful and really cool designed products. All the products I have from Brewmate are like a marble, a white marble with black marbling in it. They're so pretty. I love drinking out of them. I love how many designs and styles Brewmate has to choose from. They've truly got something for everyone, for women, for men, anybody who's trying to keep their drinks a little cooler as the summer closes. This is the product for you. I think you guys are really, really going to like them. So, don't settle for warm drinks, you guys. Don't be wasteful like me. I'm going to get better at it. I'm going to remember today to use my Brewmate insulated drinkware. So, visit Brewmate.com. That's B R U M A T E. Brewmate.com and add the code SOUNDSFUN to get 15% off your first order. That's 15% off your first order when you go to B U R M A T E.com and add the code SOUNDSFUN. Now, back to Bianca. You have um, made yourself, you've done this in my real life, so this is like, even if people <laughs> were listening, this is where we'd be going, because you do this in my real life about like, okay, let's talk about men and talk about dating. Yeah. You kind of are are like um, the mother from Fiddler on the Roof in
1: Christianity. Zidle, oh Zidle, yeah. have I got a match for you. He's <laughs> handsome, he's young, all right, he's 52, but he's a nice man, a good man. <laughs>
0: A (laughs) hundred percent, B. Nobody does it in our space as well as you do. I mean, you have B harmony for such a time as
1: this. (laughs) Well, here's the thing: if I can make a match for you and two of my very special friends, I can die a happy woman. I I really know. I know. I I really can. And like, I believe I'm going to pray this in. And Annie, no one needs to know who, but like, we have gone through some pretty interesting relationships with people that I'm like, you're either dating or talking to or whatever. And I'm just like, okay, so when we going to seal the deal, Lord? Yeah. When? When are when, when, when is Boaz going to come? Okay, in? but here's okay. what I want
0: to tell people: is you were the kindest friend to me because you mm. had a really terrible story about someone I was seeing, and you called and told me, and you said you're mm. not going to like this, but I've got to tell you this whole thing. And I cried when we talked, and I cried when I was texting you afterward, and said that was a really dear friend move you just did. Thank and you. so you it don't just so do the fun part of being B Be harmony of setting people up; you go like, hey this is something you don't know that changes whether you want to be in this or not. And it did.
1: Yeah. And I think that it, even like having those conversations, like the conversations that I had with you and the, the painful honesty, I was like, I literally wrestled with it. I was like, I should I say something? And I was like, heck yeah I should say something she's my friend and if it was me I'd want to know that's my approach even in this book like I tell women in the book don't be stupid if a guy is not into you don't keep on lapping it up like a dog to vomit like right. you are worth more and, and and in giving someone all of your attention and affection because he's Slid into your DMs doesn't count. Don't be dumb. Be wise. You're worth more than that. Which, Pia, she's not She's that. not
0: telling a story of my story. <laughs> he did not. We did not have someone slide in oh, my no, DMs. Oh, no, not you. No, no, <laughs> you're no, no. no, no. giving examples. About, like,
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. Not you. That was something else. But, like, thank you for acknowledging that because that was hard.
0: Yeah, I know. it. I mean, it really meant so much to me. I thought, man, it is one thing. One of my favorite memories of us is, do you remember we were in, I can't remember, maybe Ohio, and we were staying with some college students i think do you remember this i totally remember this and they had the and we were <laughs> both working on books And we were speaking at an event there and we were staying at their house and the temperature was perfect. Like it was the fall and the windows were open and they had this candle going and we were writing and that if that would have been, if our friendship always felt like that, that'd be a good friendship. But the friends that can call and tell you the hard thing are the great friendships.
1: You want to know something, if that's your, one of your favorite memories, my favorite memory is less glamorous. We were speaking at an event and I can't remember where it was. It was like Kansas or Kentucky or something with a K and I was like, Annie, we only have this, we only have this day. Let's go get coffee to catch up. And the coffee shop was loud and busy. And we found this random hallway and we sat in a stairwell. Yes. And yeah. we drank our teas. And we just had such real talk about, like, hey, we're not gonna depart from biblical orthodoxy. Hey, yeah. do you love Jesus still? Hey, are you okay? Yeah. Hey, how's What's your therapist telling you? You know, yes, it was like one of my yes. favorite moments. And like, we have a friendship where like, if we don't talk to each other for months, we're fine. And then when we do, it's just like, tell me everything in your life. It's like, no,
0: I can still tell you exactly what's going on because I, because I trust you. Yeah. And I think that's important for people to know as in their lives and in their stories and whatever their life looks like that, that there, you need to have people that you can have private conversations with about your calling and about your life that will always stay private.
1: Yep yep amen right because it's that's
0: it, it's really safe because it i mean not that you and i would never write about each other in our books but but the, but that kind of conversation where i went where i remember us very clearly going i'm wrestling with this part of bible stuff and i'm wrestling with this part of culture stuff and i need i need to know we're staying on the same team about some of these spots that are getting really heated that stuff stays with me and doesn't It that isn't public but it just is You've got to have people that you can have those conversations with. One thousand
1: percent, and yeah. you are a safe
0: person to process well, with. You're kind I, I feel them. the same about you. Okay, back to dating. What are women not doing that we should be doing? Not just me. I mean, you can ask me questions. I'll talk about me. But I mean, like we've got a chunk of single women who listen to the show, and we've we just need to know what should we be doing that we are not. Maybe we are not currently doing.
1: Well, and this is this is such like a it's a prescription that is a personal prescription. So I want to be very careful that I'm like, Oh, everyone needs to do this. And like, I I try really hard in the book to give like different examples because it's not a one size fits all, you know, some of Bando bra for crying out loud. Like, you know, people are wrestling with different things. I would just say, which uh, one of the greatest learning lessons that I pulled from Ruth. When I did, I I taught a Bible study 10 years ago through the book of Ruth and it was in such a different life stage. And I, I was living at home and I hadn't, Dated in literally seven years. And it was just in a very different season. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I loved about Ruth is that she was not afraid to have a DTR. Uh, defining the relationship conversation. She was not afraid to do that. And this girl had chutzpah. You know, she was ballsy. Yeah. If, I'm sorry. Can I say that on your show? Yeah, I course. don't know. I just did. Well, you said vagina twice. So
0: I think we're going to let ballsy stick around too.
1: Okay. <laughs> Bless God. Wow. I'm just, I'm, I'm like, like you, your listeners are going to hate me after this. No, zero uh, percent. Um, um So I think that a lot of women are afraid to have that DTR because, you know, they don't want to look thirsty and they don't want to look like they're so desperate and they don't want to feel like they're putting more on a friendship that is not there. And then you run the risk of feeling stupid and dumb and you read into it but the end of the day if you don't have clarity in a relationship and it's causing emotional or psychological consternation in your life guess who's losing you yeah okay b but here's what's true maybe this is uh, again
0: descriptive not prescriptive but in my life every time i start the conversation
1: it ends the relationship
0: not because i'm bad at it but if he didn't start in the conversation he doesn't want to be in the relationship
1: And so let me just affirm that for a second, because I don't want to gloss over that. I I, I don't know if everyone knows this, but that's one of my favorite attributes about you, Annie, you really have hard conversations with people, and you are such a good vanguard of your heart. Yeah. And I just want to affirm that before, we, like, address anything. Like, um, I don't, and then I'll answer your question. Sure. So, one, you are a vanguard of your heart. You. I love it. You are not afraid of having DTRs because you know your value and you know your worth. Yes, and amen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, about the DTRs, though, I do think that there's a time and a place for it. Do I think that you should have one coffee date that lasts five hours and be like, "Oh my God, so are we like a thing?" No, right. No. But if there is like conversations, if there's consistent, you know, text messages or phone conversations or multiple coffee dates, I think it's totally fine to have a conversation. Now the, the caveat, and I write about this is don't be weird. Like, it's yes, weird I love that part. Weird. Don't be weird. Yes. Don't be weird. And that's for guys and girls. Like honestly, yeah. the smartest men are going to be the ones that read this book because I think it'll get an insight to like some of the challenges that women face in yes, dating and yes. then just in life in general. But a time and place for conversation and a DTR is great. I think inviting your community in to be like, Hey, you know, I've gone out with this guy a couple times. This is what I'm thinking. Like, is now a good time to talk about it? Yeah, Are there any pitfalls? Right. Like, am I reading too much into this? Maybe he is just a great friend and maybe he just does want to go out to lunch, at, you know, during work and, and we're great friends, but there is no problem with it. And one step further, Ruth did not just have a DTR with Boaz. She straight up, asked him to marry her. This is so countercultural, yeah. And so like I backed this up in the book and before anyone thinks I'm a heretic, this, this <laughs> phrase in Ruth chapter three of like spread your wing over me, that is an idiom for marry me. Mm. And like it's a Hebrew idiom. You can go ahead and research it. Go ahead and look it up. I mean, I've spent years in this book. So like yeah, I dare someone yeah. to challenge me on this. But like she basically said like pull the trigger, boom me up, baby. And I think and like, I don't, I, w- I don't want to tell someone to go propose to someone, but I feel like that. So once we have a DTR about like, Hey, are we dating or not? I think a secondary DTR is like, Hey, do you see yourself marrying me? Cause I'm talking to women and it's frightening me. They're in relationship for three, four, five, six years. And no one's talking about marriage. Oh, wow. and I'm like, Hey, you're wasting a lot of great years of your life. And if someone doesn't find you worthy enough to like swoop you up ASAP, ask why?
0: Okay, so B, tell me the difference between getting married and living with someone and sharing your life and doing doing married life but not actually getting married. What's the difference?
1: Well, okay, so again, this is um, it's a broad stroke and I'm going to speak to Christians. So if yeah. you're not Christian and you're not adhering to biblical like, uh, biblical principles, yo, live your best life. Like you got one life to live, you know, for Christians, we don't believe that we have one life to live. We, it it isn't YOLO. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We believe that heaven is our home and we prescribe to an understanding of, um, like God's best and God's best is within context of marriage. So I, I'm, I'm going to assume that most of the listeners have either an understanding of Christianity or are Christians. And if that's the case, I'm going to speak on a high level term. One, it is biblical. You know, when we talk about like this union, um, it's not just an act for like procreation. It's also act of recreation. Yes. And amen. Hallelujah. Right. So if that is the case and Paul and Jesus speak about what has been brought together, what God has bringing together, let no man separate. Well, why is that? Because it is a covenant. It is a promise between two people, but a covenant of God looking down and saying, I bless this. In fact, here in American Western culture, we look at marriage as like the act of sealing the deal. Like, yo, you're married now. Yeah. No, in biblical terms, what seals the deal is the act of sex. And why is that? Because you come together. There's a co-mingling of heart, body, mind, and soul. Like people come together. This is why Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthian church, said, Yo, don't sleep and don't shack up with prostitutes because you are united with them. When we unite with someone, there is a chemical cocktail that happens literally. The brain releases um, a hormone and a chemical in the body. This is why you could have sexual experiences that are traumatic, tragic, or against your own will. And yet you find yourself longing and titillated for that person and that encounter, even if it was wrong. Mm. Why is that? Because there was a bond that took place. There is um, the prefrontal cortex in your mind connects with that person. The prefrontal cortex also in women is larger. So that's why mo- more times than not a woman will feel connected to a man than a man to a woman, ah. but that th- you could be connected to a person sexually for up to 24 hours afterwards because of this love cocktail that y'all shared. This is why the enemy knows before getting married, the message is have sex, have sex, have sex, have sex. Then the moment you get married, the message that the enemy is shooting over marriages is don't have sex, Mm. don't have sex, don't have sex Mm -hmm. because the enemy knows there is power in covenantal relationship. There is power in coming together through the act of sex. And according to biblical understandings, we have sex when we get married. Right. Okay. Even from secular research, it's like if you shack up, you have a 60% chance, greater chance of a failed relationship. Mm. Because there's nothing that binds you together. It's yeah. just like, yo, let's try this on. And if it fits for a while, or if it fits for a minute, or it fits for a season, great. And then yeah. you bounce out. Yeah. What people don't realize is that you're coming together with that person in covenantal relationship and you're tearing yourself apart from them. Yeah. And then you're uniting with someone else and you're tearing yourself apart from them. You're uniting with someone else and you're tearing your part apart from them. And so what's left is what feels like pieces of our soul being given away to people because that's really what happening. So what's the story
0: of hope for the people who believers or non-believers who have done that, that want to have
1: a healthy marriage? The beautiful thing, the beautiful thing, the beautiful thing is that we serve a God unlike, unlike other world religions that people will proffer like their faith and belief. Like we serve a God who doesn't just, Fix things. We serve God who redeems things. So even if you have slept with one thousand and seven people, guess what? Our God can redeem, and our God can make new, and our God can make whole, and our God can restore the broken pieces of our life. This is why I'm, I I think I'm a little fearful of like coming out of like the purity culture that you and I grew up in, yeah. where we kissed dating goodbye and we had purity rings and covenant contracts, you know, yeah. I'm a little leery of that because what happens if that's not your path, then people feel like they have to pay penance for the rest of their life. Or if, you know, sex is hard and sex isn't good in the beginning, then that they feel almost like this kind of like penance for their mistakes. And that is a lot to lie from the enemy. We serve a God who redeems. We serve a God who makes new. We serve a God who invented sex and wants it to be awesome. Like, hey, maybe you might need some therapy. Maybe you might need some different tactics. Maybe I don't know, maybe you meet some friends that are like walking through this season together and helping you process. Like, I don't think that if, if that's your story, then that's where it ends. Cause if you were not, I put this in the book, like if you were not dead then God is not done. And Mm -hmm. I have seen some really, really traumatic, it worked. In an anti-human trafficking organization, you see the worst of the worst exploitation through the acts of sexual misconduct and sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And yet you see the beautiful stories of transformation. So yeah. no one, no one is yeah, too far Yeah, that's
0: one of the reasons you're an expert at this is you've watched it up close in so many different ways. In beautiful ways, in abusive ways, in everything in between, you know. And so well, it's thanks, one Amy. of the reasons I, I like listening to you about this. And I do what you say. Thank and you. Uh, the story that was really hard for you to tell me about a person ended up being very true. So I'll trust you forever because you were right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to believe you, but you were right. <laughs> so those of us who have male friends that are single, what does it look like? Because I think one of the problems is sometimes we really are unkind to single Christian men as a culture yeah. where like, very degrading to them, how we talk about men who are single and kind of go like, what are you doing? Why aren't you? you know that. What's the actual better way to speak into the lives of the single men that are in our lives?
1: I've actually learned this um, really well from watching Matt do it. Yeah. And I think that if we call out the men that we believe is in the guys that we're around, mm-hmm. it encourages them. And I think that when we use disparaging language and when we say like, be a man or step up, or, stop being you know, a loser grow up and, and yeah, that yeah, all that yeah grow up and you know that sort of stuff i feel like this negative narrative that they're constantly under will make them not even want to try and just like give up but if we speak to Um, The man that is there, that's lying dormant, that just needs some encouragement. What if our words were water to their soul? Mm -hmm. And we say, you know what? I see the man that's in you. I see that you are going to be a great father. I see that you're going to be a great husband. Or maybe they're not going to be married. I'm not saying that we should. Our purpose is not in our wedding ring. But we speak to the man that's there. I see you leading in the community. Mm -hmm. I see you loving children. I see you in the classroom. And we begin to call out their natural giftings and callings and dare I say anointings. Mm -hmm. That it awakens something inside of them that wants to be who you see. Yeah, That right. I think is worth changing lives. Yeah, I see it. I've been praying that God send, I'm very specific with my prayers. I'm like, God, I want you to send 27 year old single males making over $75,000 a year to church. Why? Because our church has so many amazing women. Yeah. And I want amazing men. I mean, I think a lot of people would say that about their churches though. That's the weird thing, yeah. B. Yeah, but God's been good because uh, we're getting more single men. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like special brothers. I'm talking about like brothers that have great teeth. Yeah that fought, that are cute that have J-O-Bs, like yeah. th- yes, yes, and P- it feels like, oh my gosh, that's a unicorn. Do they really exist? Chupacabras and leprechauns are coming out right. of the woodwork, right. you know? And I'm like so excited. And it's like, okay, so here's the thing: the church has to be a place that will affirm and release men in a way that is even stronger than the world is doing it. Uh And I feel that if we can can call the men out and the potential out and the destiny out of these men, that they'll be excited to be in the house of God. They'll be excited to get their life on track. They'll be excited to stop sowing their wild oats Mm -hmm. and find their calling within the house. And that doesn't mean that they have to serve a church. I'm just saying you might find a community. You might find a spouse. You might find something Mm -hmm. within these walls when we speak out the destiny and the truth it's like if God wasn't going to speak to to our our single brothers like this, why should we? Mm, how would God speak to them? Right. How Jesus, do them? that's So I want to speak to them.
0: Right? Call me ridiculous, but I just don't know that I thought to pray specifically for the Lord because I I think about that with our church. I think there are a lot of really great single women here. What do we do? We just ask the Lord to start bringing them in, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
1: And then when they do come in, maybe go a little bit above and beyond to make sure that like they do feel welcome. That is a place for them. Cause mm-hmm. it's what I've heard from men is that it's intimidating to walk into a place that's so full of chicks. And here's what I'm running into. I'm very careful. Like that are, uh, who is preaching and who is leading worship and who is teaching and who's like, it's very balanced because I am a female and I don't want it to feel like we're a bunch of feminazis that are like trying to push an agenda. Right. No, there are strong men on our team. There are my husband's a strong man, our worship leaders. Like there are so many, I really really want them to see a healthy picture of strong men and strong women. No, I'm not gender stereotyping, please. I don't want anyone to come at me with like, more is a strong woman. A strong woman is someone who loves the Lord, uh, adheres to her convictions. That doesn't mean she has to be loud or bossy. That's right. It's just, like, I know who I am and I'm confident in that. Guess what? Right. You're a strong woman. So yes, that's kind of where I land on it. And I'm excited and I'm hopeful. I From am hopeful. women
0: and men who are already in marriages, how do they call up the strength in their partner?
1: Well, <laughs> Matt and I are still working through this. Um, I love because um I'm, I'm sure most of your listeners are familiar with on-site. So oh yeah, we love it. Oh yeah, I know, I know. Um so Matt and I, I did Living Center program like three years ago, and then we just did coupleship at On-Site. Yep. Oh my gosh, I loved it. The beautiful thing is like both Matt and I are strong. The horrible thing is that both Matt and I are strong. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's not like we're, we we didn't pop out of the womb with great communication skills. And so um, I think that we're working through this in live time. And that's why I'm passionate about putting like language and experience around mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. But um, for those that are married and you are experiencing some sort of like rubbing against some friction, iron sharpening iron, if you will, yeah. to be like all super biblical. But I think that um, how we can find a way is that we celebrate the strengths of our spouse. I think Matt fully loves me and gives me so much more grace. If he knows that I'm for him, like I'm fully mm. supporting him. A great example yesterday at church, or excuse me, a, a couple of days ago at church, he um, preached and this is on the hills of him doing like killer messages, two back-to-back killer messages. This one probably wasn't his strongest. Here's the thing. He knew it. Your spouse knows when they're not operating on full cylinders. Yeah. The last thing that he needed was a, you know what you could have done? The outro was da-da-da. You know, the, the the invitation for people to respond should have. That's not the place. Be their advocate. Be their cheerleader. Be their supporter. If you know that someone is for you, you are more prone to listen to feedback and yeah. course correction yeah. and uh, calling you out on certain things. Yeah. So number one, I would like definitely affirm your, your spouse. Call them out. Support them. Love them. And then number two, like, be honest. Be honest with what you need. Because mm. I I haven't, I think I grossly underestimated and I don't think I'm alone in this. There's huge within like marriages. One spouse will not be honest for the fear of hurting the other spouse's feelings. Yeah. But what ends up happening is that resentment grows and bitterness grows and it takes deep root and that it ends up manifesting itself in something else later. Mm. And so I have been honest with what I'm feeling. So I learned it on site. I placed my hand on my heart and I said, I'm taking my emotional temperature. Oh, and so- That's been like our language where I'm like, okay, this is what I'm feeling because the body keeps the score. And right now I'm feeling really hurt by that. And I, and, and most of the time, if you are honest in love, you say it like that to Matt. Oh, totally. It's so cheesy, but guess what? It works. It works. And so now I have in the moment, I said, you know what, what you said kind of hurt me. And it's, it's on him to respond with either. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, that was not my intention or to bring clarity, apologize. And, um, We move forward, but what I didn't realize I was doing as like a strong person and wanting to avoid conflict, because again, I'm a seven, is I just hold it and swallow and swallow and swallow and just hold it until all of a sudden it just comes out in this vitriol vomit of like, I will cut you. Is that because you're a
0: seven? Is that, I mean, is holding it in easier?
1: Uh, Avoid conflict. So uh, sevens have a massive aversion to conflict. And well, when you're married, you have lots of conflict. And what I didn't realize that I was holding it in and then using it as a weapon later on.
0: Uh, okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't gotten to do that since I don't live with a dude. I haven't gotten to use it later, but I do know how to hold it yet, in. Yet. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Come on girl.
1: Uh, real quick story. I was um, served in youth ministry with this girl. Her name was Victoria. Loved her. She's a couple years older than me. She wanted to be married. And you know, what's really hard is when you serve in youth ministry and you're there for a couple of years and all of a sudden your youth are inviting you to their wedding, uh-huh. yeah, that was really hard. Yeah, um, and so we were, you know, kind of like these two single women, and and though it felt like a really long time not getting married until I was, you know, thirty. There's women who are fifty and still yeah. single, yeah. and um, and still I'm, want I'm, to be married, and still want to be married. Well, Victoria was that person, and Victoria was always so encouraging of all of her friends who moved on from you know uh, engagement parties to then weddings and then baby showers, and she was single, and I. Love that Victoria at 47 years old has found the most amazing man. Really? Yes. Um, she was just serving at church and she, um, she started, she actually started the special needs ministry at my father's church and she served there for so many years and she, her background is in special education. And so she went on to go get her master's and that didn't stop her. She got her PhD in special education. And this woman was just loyal and served the Lord and faithful and prayed, prayed for years. Here's the thing, Annie. I think sometimes people feel like the older you get, you're going to get like the sloppy seconds. Mm. Victoria was such a lighthouse to me. She just got married two weekends ago. Her husband's flipping hot, dude. Did you go? Like hot. No, I I, I didn't go. Um, the funny thing is, is like I wasn't invited, but who cares? Yeah, okay, I mean, I'm not okay. salty. You're I'm right. like, I'm like, I swear to you, I am not salty about it because I'm so happy that she got
0: married and she did it
1: right and she waited and she was heartbroken along the way. But here she is at like, I think she's like 47, 48. I don't know if she's like 10 years older than me. And, um, her guy is 46 and they both are educated and they both love Jesus and he's really hot. Like, I can't get over this. Like, it's not like, (laughs) like, it's not like, you know, he has like 17 kids and his missing teeth. Like, he's a winner, you know? (laughs) And so I'm like praying that over all my single friends who I'm just like, you know what? The best is yet to come. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. I mean, I just think people ask me all the time, like, they use the word, the sentence is like, do you still think you're getting married?
1: <laughs> or do you still want Stop. to get married? Oh my gosh, I need a bar of soap. They need to wash my mouth right? out of soap. No. And I'm always Anyways, like, on. yeah,
0: I still want to be married as much as I've ever wanted to be married. Like, I still want that and still ask God for that. It, I think people think you either have to decide you're fine without it or you're sad without it. And the actual truth is I feel mm-hmm. both most of the time. I feel like I have yeah. a great life. Oh my gosh, B, you know my life. I have I can't complain. Yeah, I have so fabulous. much fun, great friends, great job. I totally love it. And also, I don't have everything I want. And yeah. so it is uh I love hearing stories like that cuz I'm like, "Oh, 47." That's like ten, less than
1: 10 years away. I can do that. That sounds fun. I can get a lot done between now and that. Absolutely. I'm like, i like, I think that what's beautiful about this, I mean, it's difficult. I will acknowledge it's difficult, but what's beautiful is that Annie, you are paving a way for people loving their life. Yeah, even though so. it's not the way that they thought it was going to be this the season yeah. you're doing it well you're not waiting for some guy to come and rescue you you've already been rescued that's yeah, Jesus and that's you're living right. your best life yeah. and you're doing now. and I love that you're also open and honest you're not like hiding like oh yeah life is totally great I don't want to be married like you're honest about it like right. let's have honest conversations that celebrate it because you invite people in to pray for like the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited about that. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, it's kind of fun, right? Because I just remember you and I talked about this, oh gosh, five or six years ago when I started talking more about singleness. And I was like, I have this option to wait until after I'm married and go back and talk about it. Or I can talk from the middle and people can be in the story with me. And you, you were one of the friends that helped me decide, like, let them be in the story with you. And you may get your heart broken in front of everyone. But they will also see how God provides, how kind he is, how good life can be when you don't have everything you want. And when God does the thing that we all think he'll do, everybody's going to get to see and And see God's faithfulness and go like, Annie couldn't have pulled that off. (laughs) like that's called a miracle
1: (laughs) I love Uh, it I love love it it. and I also want just really quick want to like speak to you know for the people that don't know it's not like I waited and then had this like picturesque scenario I married a divorcee with dependents and debt like my husband had been married before had been cheated on multiple times he had two kids and after the divorce uh, I mean it's so complicated but it's such a great soap opera, uh, he <laughs> was left with $45,000 of debt because she took out credit cards in his name and he was oh, unaware of yeah. it. So it was, it was. I mean, it was hot mess express. right? And so by the time we had met, he had whittled down his debt and he had like, like figured out his life as like a single dad or whatever. But like, um, I think that some people feel like, well, I'm above that or I don't want that. Mm. You want to know something? Boaz didn't have to take an outsider immigrant a barren woman who was a widow. And yet God redeemed that situation. And I get to say to my husband all the time, because I remind him of this all the yeah. time, baby, I'm your Joel 225. Okay. I am the years that the locust has eaten. I am wife 2.0. <laughs> right. You got the upgrade, babe. You got the upgrade. Okay. So every time I'm annoying, and don't want to fold my laundry or put away my dishes, guess what? I'm your upgrade. Don't forget it, honey. Yeah. Don't forget it.
0: So what do you, yeah, I mean, that's that verse is important to me in a lot of ways, but the idea that the Lord could actually restore what's already what time has already taken
1: seems yep. miraculous absolutely yep. absolutely but, but it's it's does. in it's in god's word and i back it up and i say yes and amen
0: annie i know that's right girl um how do you feel about your book coming out this week <laughs>
1: i'm so nervous <laughs> like so nervous, like, like you don't understand, like so nervous. I don't have any biological children. And so my books are like my children and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I hope this baby's cute. I hope its head is normal. And I mean, like, this is just, it's like all the things where you're super excited and you know, this is the thing that's keeping me up at night. And this is the thing that I've been, you know, like frustrated and getting this thing out, but you know, she's here. She's, I I feel like she's beautiful. So, um, more than anything, I just want people to open up the pages and Feel Jesus. That's yeah, it. Yeah. And if people do, then I've succeeded. Yeah. That's and right. I don't think everyone's going to love it. And that's okay. But I'm believing for some people, it's going to feel like a life preserver in a really, really rocky season.
0: Yeah. That's right. And the other truth is, if everybody, there isn't anything that everybody loves. And I'd love, well, you've done a beautiful thing. You just said it out loud, but that I'd say to people all the time of like, you have to decide what success is for you in this. Yeah. And for you, yeah. it's people opening it up. Okay. You're not asking for these big monster things. You're going, this will be success for me if the people who, who like this book like it enough to go all the way through it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm Absolutely. 1,000%. I love it. That's Wait, amazing. but you can't say yeah. that not everyone likes everything because who doesn't like Nutella? Like, tell me one person that doesn't like Nutella. That's fair. You're right. You're right. It could be
0: Nutella. It could be the trick.
1: Because, like, some people don't like avocados. I love them. Some people don't like pizza. That's weird. Some people, you know, like, whatever. But everybody loves Nutella. Like, who doesn't? And, like, are you a psychopath if you don't like Nutella? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You're right. My
0: hope is that how to have your life not suck is the Nutella of books.
1: Oh, my. From your lips to God's God's ears, ears, sweetheart. Yes, And amen. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, the last
0: question you always ask me is, and you've got to do this before on your last episode, but tell me, what sounds fun to you? We have to ask because the show's called That Sounds Fun. What sounds fun to you?
1: Right now, what sounds absolutely fun is being on a beach. Wait, wait, wait. Does this mean that it's like actually going to happen or this is nope, just like. You, it's anything you want. <gasps> oh, my gosh. It is being on a beach with like white tiny sand in like Mexico with a frothy beverage in my hand, an amazing novel, um, a a great umbrella. So I'm like warm from the sun, but not like beating down from the sun. And Mm -hmm. I hear the ocean crashing on the white sand and I've lost myself in this novel. Like I have chips and guacamole with me Mm -hmm. and I am living my best stinking life. Oh wait, I'm now interrupted because my massage (laughs) <laughs> it's time for my massage. So then I go to this amazing spa uh-huh. that smells of eucalyptus and peppermint wafting in the air as I walk in and I get not a 50, not a 60, but a 75 minute deep tissue massage with a woman who has Russian man hands yeah, and good. works out all my knots. And then I go to dinner and I watch the sunset with my husband and a great crisp glass of white wine. Yes and amen. That sounds so freaking okay. fun. And your
0: husband's a sommelier, so he will pick out the right wine. He is wine. a
1: sommelier. And it's, it's so bad to be married to sommelier because now I just never drink rubbish wine, yeah. ever. <laughs> That's
0: right. There's it's like, why waste the my calories? Stuff. Yeah, you're not going to nope. do it. I nope,
1: can't blame nope, you.
0: nope, I know. I don't want to either. That sounds so you.
1: fun, though. Um, B, thanks for being on the show.
0: I love you. I'm so I grateful. I love you, Annie Downs. I'm I so love
1: grateful. you. I'm so grateful that I get to call you friends. I'm so grateful for these conversations. I feel the same.
0: Oh, friends, isn't she the best? That girl can give some wisdom and give some help, and she knows what she is talking about. I just love our conversations. I I just think the world of her. Uh, She is such a good example of someone who is finding and searching out why God put her on the planet and going for it. And I just love her. So, hey, make sure you grab a copy of How to Have Your Life Not Suck. It's brand new. It's so good. I've already read it. I endorsed it. I love it. I think the world of it. And so I think you're going to like it too. It is just going to guide you. And hey, if Bianca's starting B Harmony and getting us all set up, more power to her, right? Hey, make sure you give Bianca a follow on Instagram and Twitter. Tell her thanks for being on the show and make sure you've grabbed a copy of her book. If you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, F as in fiery, because our girl B, she's a fiery one. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you're looking for me, that's how you can find me. And if you get a chance to share the show with your friends, that would mean a lot. I think people would really enjoy hearing some of her advice. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. Have a great Labor Day weekend. We will be here on Monday with the show. So as you're coming home from wherever you're swimming on Monday, we got a show for you. So we'll see you on Monday. Y'all have a great weekend.